Hi, I'm Vince Osborne, avid cyclist, BJJ enthusiast, hardcore Devo fan, all-around music fan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. I'm Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. And I'm Wendy Sheridan. Welcome to episode 143. In today's show, I will share my conversation with longtime friend of mine and fan of the podcast, Vince Osborne. He has stopped by our virtual interview room last week to tell us about his friendship with the storied artist and music fan, Cynthia Plastercaster. But before that, Wendy and I will talk about our results in the seven gender identities test in the Earthscape. You can catch an episode of the Levescape usually every other Wednesday. To make way for our 4th of July festivities, our next show will be out one day later than usual on Thursday, July 6th. You can subscribe to the show on our website, leftscape.com, or find us wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're on our site, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. And if you're a subgenius, you might be expecting the world to end on July 5th. So if that happens, <laughs> then I guess there's no show. <laughs> or maybe we'll we'll broadcast it from the from the saucers. But is if, is that another if, X day? X day, yes, July 5th. Okay. Is, yeah, yeah. So So we'll do see. they wait, 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 wait. I know we're in the middle of our thing, but I have to ask. Do we expect the end of the world every year at X day, or is this a particularly X year day? Well, we always think we, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be July 5th, 1998. We may have miscalculated (laughs) when 1998 is by, you know, (laughs) by, by the Bob's calculation, but we're, we're ever hopeful. Okay. (laughs) So anyway. so if none of that happens, we'll be here on July 6th <laughs> and very sad that we, we're not on the pleasure saucers. But anyway, <laughs> Speak for yourself. We, okay. my we pleasure also... saucer is upstairs. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. You may continue now with yes. normal yes. programming. <laughs> So we are on social media at Leftscape everywhere on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, we do love to hear from you. So definitely give us a shout. And please, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can join us at any level starting at just $1 a month. All Patreon supporters have access to our exclusive segment. We should be recording this. And if you're able, you can increase your contribution and receive other gifts and opportunities. Check us out at patreon.com slash leftscape. Our most recent we should be recording this segment is entitled Popular Slut Club. And we talk Mm -hmm. about our sluttiest experiences and also gun violence and nuclear war because that's how we roll here. (laughs) Yeah, we get to, we we do uh, go off on some tangents, as you just heard. 
All right. All Random right. facts? Yes. Let's just get on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you've ever observed ants at different times of the day or even at night, they always seem to be active. But that's because ants take incredibly short power naps and at staggered times, meaning there are always ants that are awake when others are taking a quick rest. Huh. I could probably, well, I don't know, anything I try that, like as a power nap, I end up either being really tired when I wake up or just sleeping all day. So I'm not a power napper. I guess I'm not an ant. I used to take um, a disco nap and go out late. Sometimes it works. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I just sleep. <laughs> and my random fact is a jiffy is an actual unit of time lasting exactly one one hundredth of a second. This is slower than a plank, which is a sextillion times faster. So that's wow. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> I wonder how many jiffies it, it, there is in an ant nap. Oh, I don't know. Oh God. I mean, how many, is this, is this going to be now a new unit of measure? Like when they're measuring asteroids, they're using giraffes or washing machines. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. And, and now here is all the news that we can handle. So the Illinois Illinois legislature has passed a law to ban book banning in libraries. I mean, I don't, they don't call it ban, a, a book ban ban, but I'm calling it that because I think it's funny. I like but it. They, yeah, they have, they have now made How it. How many bans can a book ban ban? <laughs> if a book, if could a book ban can ban, ban, ban book bans. <laughs> <laughs> But yay to Illinois for for giving librarians the <laughs> the they're letting them do their job in selecting what books they put in their library without the the Karen police or whatever telling them you cannot have this book in the library because it upsets me. Yes. Good job. <laughs> And as everybody knows, by now, the former president is the first to be indicted on a federal crime. And he, Trump is facing 37 counts in a fe this federal indictment that happened last week. Uh, that's like, it's seven different crimes and 31 counts. So I wow. think 31 of them are the different documents that they're highlighting in this. This is, um, this is all the... the 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 classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, many of which were in the bathroom. Yes, they were in the bathroom. They were in the storage room. They with were with the copier in the room. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> anyone it's, it's, else? Anyone else would have been up against the wall and executed for treason by now. Just, I'm just saying. If or it was just anyone in, else in this country, or in another country. Yeah, in, in worlds more trouble than he is currently, but he's, it's interesting to see the beginnings of some, of some consequences going yes. on. I, because I am a real nerd, um, <laughs> I listened to a, an episode of called Prosecuting Donald Trump, and it's, you know, it's usually like two lawyers that discuss everything that's happening and all of that, but there was an episode where MSNBC host Ali Velshi just read the entire indictment 
Wow. And it is really eye-opening. There were, it's, I, I, there were definitely moments when I said, wow, and oh my God, and <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I mean, if you, if you want to invest an hour or whatever, it, it's, it's interesting to hear the scope and breadth of what's going on and where things were stored and, and communications that happen that make it pretty clear that, you know, he, people that mattered knew all of what was going on. So wow. it's very interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. So here we, here we are. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next with all yes. this. And in other indictment news, <laughs> a grand jury has indicted Marine veteran Daniel Penny on charges connected to the fatal choking of Jordan Neely on a subway train in New York City. <sighs> the exact charges handed down by the grand jury are not expected to be unsealed until Penny appears in court at a later date for arraignment. But the that case is proceeding. And, you know, I know he wasn't immediately arrested. I know it took like a, 10 days for them to arrest him and then they let him out you know but it looks like he's going to be facing a trial or something he's facing charges so we'll see how that's up how that goes yeah I, i'm i'm glad you brought this one up this was one of those that was more than the news i could handle when it oh. first happened and I just, I said, I, I am aware of this. I, I can't even speak of it right now. Um, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm glad, glad that people, consequences yeah. are happening, you know? Yeah. yeah. People. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the Supreme Court is doing stuff. And the... thank you for following that. Cause that's usually my Balowick and I have been, I have been lax. <laughs> Sure. That. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, you know, I've, I'm just keeping an eye on it. I don't follow the depths of it, I think, as I would like to. But one of the big things that happened is everyone was really worried about the, the Voting Act. Mm. And that has turned out there was a 5-4 decision on June 8th. And the court ruled that Alabama had diluted the power of black voters by drawing a congressional voting map with a single district in which they made up a majority. Oh my God! So, so in other words, in other words, Alabama did was so was so heinous in their redistricting <laughs> that that that, that Roberts, Roberts and Kavanaugh had to had to go. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really they have to really have fucked up <laughs> for that to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's gonna be. You know, so the the map they have currently is not valid, so they've got to do something before the next election as far as I as far as my understanding is. So I'm not sure what will what the result of that will be, but it's that was a, that was a surprise. I was kind of expecting the Voting Rights Act to fall with yeah. this vote. A lot of people were thinking that that would be I the know. case. I know. I know. And the other thing, and this is an interesting one, uh, the tribal there was a tribal rights vote that came down seven to two just on the 15th, just recently. And the court upheld the Indian Child Welfare Act of 1978 that seeks to keep Native American children with their tribes and preserve their heritage. Yeah, I did read that. I did see that when it when that happened. Yeah. I, don't, I wasn't paying attention. Who were the two dissenters on that, or do you not know? The two dissenters are not surprising. It's Alito and Thomas. Ah! <laughs> Like okay. the, the two farthest right of yes. everybody. It, it, this is an interesting 
case, I and I, I, I mean, on the face of it, it sounds wonderful, and I think it's mostly wonderful. And I, I was trying to think of where I heard about this this case before, or this, you know, the topic before. Obviously, it comes up a lot, but there was an an episode of the More Perfect podcast where they were talking about this, and I would like to go listen to it again because it was it it made it you heard more complications in this whole story than is on the surface mm. because well the, there always is all of these cases are there's always more than what's on the surface right exactly <laughs> and i feel like i don't want to speak to it exactly because i'm not remembering it all completely but there's a biological father involved in a couple that you know someone who wants their child back but they're but the child is fostered by a couple like a white couple who are not you know part of the tribe in the community and the it wasn't it's not exactly clear what the actual best interest of the child is like a lot of people have different motivations but what's really best for this person in this particular case and it, as much as you want to obviously preserve native rights like individual cases might be a different story sometimes you know so if that just it just made me think about that and i do want to go back and listen to the story to re-remember what the whole situation was but it's it's interesting and mm. and and i think i mean the decision overall seems generally positive you know obviously it sounds positive and i would like to go back and listen to that specific case that it's sort of balanced on or not balanced on but prompted by to know more about that but right. um yeah interesting yeah. stuff yeah and and i don't know environment oh i think you're allowed to pollute rivers now that's a bad Ugh, one probably yeah yeah the court ruled that the clean water act does not allow the environmental protection agency to regulate discharges into wetlands near bodies of water unless they have a continuous surface connection to those waters Oh, so what? you can dump. You can't just pump. You can dump, but not pump. Great. Something like that. That's yeah. what that sounds like. <laughs> and here's their, here's the little catchphrase for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I probably don't know enough about any of these to say anymore, but that's stuff that's going on. Yeah, and look, there's, a, there's a New York Times article. I could put the link there for those who subscribe to this paper i guess you can see it <laughs> but but there are other i'm sure you could find what's going on in various sources so but i will give at least one link okay and last thursday june 15th the senate confirmed nusrat chowdhury a longtime civil rights attorney to the u.s district court for the eastern district of new york and that makes her the nation's first female muslim federal judge which nice. It's it's great, but you know it's 2023, and that should have happened a while before. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, sure. Chowdhury, a former American Civil Liberties Union attorney, was confirmed 50 to 49 on a mostly party line vote. West Virginia Senator Joe Manson, a Democrat, uh, joined the Republicans in opposing her. Like, of course. <laughs> you just called Joe Manson Joe Manson, which is. Um, <laughs> That says a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not correcting myself. I just. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> but so... congratulations, 
Your Honor Chowdhury, I what what do you call what is the honorific that goes ahead of the judge when the, in the name? Their Honor, Their Honor, Judge Chowdhury. So. I guess that judge would be it. something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Moms for Liberty is headed to Philadelphia for their quote unquote Joyful Warriors Summit, their annual summit, which is uh, this year is June 29th to July 3rd, and People are not happy about that. Uh, Moms for Liberty has actually been designated as a hate group by yeah, the would, um, Southern Poverty Law Center. I would have guessed just from hearing their name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's the it's like the uh, War is Peace kind of a yes, name, right? yes, yes. Yeah, so they're like ultra conservative, very anti LGBTQ, very. I guess huh. I don't know what all their platforms are. But yeah, so they're supposed to have a meeting at the Philadelphia Marriott. And Is that the one downtown? I would have to look it up exactly. The address of the Philadelphia Marriott, maybe. I think it is in, it's probably in Center City somewhere. And they're also supposed to be at the Museum for, Museum of the American Revolution. Mm. And there was a petition going around to have them reconsider hosting them. You know, because they're doing a lot of work around diversity and like positive community type stuff. And people are saying, well, this is not congruent with that work. So and the people who work at the museum, too, are not happy. So it's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be weird. I wonder I wonder if, the, you know, if if they will. I don't know. I wonder. It, it seems to me like so far they're not deterred. I don't know if it's going to turn into a big protest or what's going to happen but yeah do you think it will turn into a big protest people will turn up to protest i don't know how huge it will mm. be but but philly philly protests people like this for sure i know but philly police are not exactly known for their restraint during protesty kinds of things hmm. i just just thinking oh, back over my history with Philadelphia and like the Rizzo administration, et cetera. Oh, it's, well, that's, I, yeah, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to bomb anybody. <laughs> I think maybe Philly learned a lesson at least from since those times. Oh, I don't know. I thought they were, I thought they were doing a lot of like unpleasant crowd control during the BLM protests. Well, that's, yeah. I kind of remember yeah. that. Let me not. Yeah, that's true too. And I, you know, and maybe that the highway being closed is going to slow things down for this conference because people oh, right. will be able to get there. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That was news. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Highway 95 collapsed North of Philadelphia. Like, was it last week? Yeah. That was yeah. insane. Yeah. So that's going to screw everything up for a while. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very fidgety right now because I have a cat that keeps wanting to get to my power cords oh. under my desk. I mean, I have a box on top of them, but she keeps trying to get under the box. And I and in the past, she has actually successfully turned off the switch on the power strip, which is why there's a box on it now. Oh boy. Um, yeah, okay. Randa likes to go in the car and like scratch by my feet, and I feel like <laughs> she's gonna un she's gonna disconnect something eventually <laughs> if I'm not careful. Uh, all right you stay out of there okay my last piece i'm trying to do what we what we talked about in our last show this is this is a story about 
somebody doing good things for the community, which is supposed to which is supposed to mitigate all of the shitty news we just talked about. So <laughs> for our emotional state. So there is an artist transforming a city by painting its houses different colors. And she's unveiled her latest street of 63 rainbow homes. 44-year-old Tosh Frutko has been painting houses in Gloucester, UK. And I'm probably, that's probably not how you say Gloucester. Um, I would but I'm, say Gloucester, but that's Gloucester, New Jersey. But, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> she's been doing this since 2018, giving makeovers to entire streets and squares. This is the artist's fifth transformation in the city and her logic, largest product to date. She's quoted as saying, I'm delighted that my 2023 and 2024 projects have been partially funded by the Gloucestershire County Council Leveling Up Together scheme, as until now I have self-funded them. She added, I will continue to work completely voluntarily so that every penny of funding goes towards making the area shine. The local residents say that it has created a better atmosphere and has been seen even to raise the housing prices by around 30%. And the new home makeovers have also been accompanied by a huge floral mural by the street artist Sophie Mess and murals by Ms. Frutko's partner Stuart Doust and a quirky door installation and a rainbow staircase. So in the article, they have photos of like some of her streets and it's like every house is painted a very bright, different color from the other houses on the street. And it, it's very pleasing to look at. And this woman's just doing it on her own and she pays for the paint herself. And, and so she's been beautifying Gloucester in, I guess, the north in England. So uh, it really looks nice. I'm just checking out the photos yeah. now. And I love places where you're allowed to have different brightly colored houses. Yes. Yes. You know, a lot of people live places where like I think if I painted my house something like shocking pink or something like people would not be happy. Well, what they couldn't do anything about it though. You don't have yeah. any way. I, I That's you know, true. There, it, there are and, a lot of places. Yeah. But when I changed my house from what I used to call ketchup and mustard, which was like this dark yellow and a maroon red kind of thing, which apparently was popular in the 1920s because my brother's house was painted the exact same colors and his house was built in the 1920s. I painted my house a dark blue and white and a deep purple, they call it like eggplant or something. And suddenly well not suddenly that was i guess four years ago and over those four years i have been noticing there's a lot more dark blue houses popping up in the neighborhood hmm. because and i get and people walk by and compliment me if i'm out working in the yard and they're walking by they compliment me on the paint colors so uh apparently i've started a trend i'm very happy about that and <laughs> and i don't care that people are copying me they should because it looks good and i i like that you know there's getting to be everything isn't just beige and that pale blue all of those subdued they're not even nice you know like like if you go down to bermuda or something there's like a whole bunch of pastel colors in houses mm -hmm. and those look good and it's a different kind of pastel than than the muted tones that are typical of american houses which are right I guess everyone's they, trying to be shades of neutral here mostly right yeah. yeah everything has to be neutral because you want to be able to sell a house and and they're going oh i can't buy a house with a bright color 
you know, or something, or, you know, somebody made us uh, put a stake in the ground. This is a collar and it's going on my house. <laughs> so that is all the news we can handle today. Welcome to Earthscape. And this is our segment where we talk about physical matters, you know, matters of the earth, the planet, and our bodies and health and stuff. And I guess we kind of did a little bit of justification to get this topic, of it, but it's something we just did this morning. We're really interested in discussing it. And it's the results from the seven identities test on idrllabs.com that we took this morning, because I was slightly surprised at my results and Robin did hers. And what this test does is it tells you, well, you have to also, it's not, it's not a definitive, you know, this is how we are forever kind of test. And they make you sign a, make you check a waiver saying, I know this isn't, you know, this is not, I shouldn't take this too seriously, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, no, it's a Facebook test. So it's not exactly. Well, I don't call it a Facebook it's test. Not a it's not Facebook I, test. You know what it is. IDR Labs is, is, is a step up or a couple of steps up from like, wow, wow. whatever those other ones, like, you know, which beetle are <laughs> like, you? what does your which, name yeah. mean in, in Gaelic society? You know, that kind of shit. Right, it's always right. bullshit. It's a little, um, yeah, and, it, it was, thought, it was thoughtful. It gave me, you know, reasons. Yeah. I mean, I've taken it, so. a lot of those tests, like the, like the psychopath test. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they no. have a lot of, they have a lot of like psycho psychological tests in there and I've taken most of them, but I came out out of this test. I am I scored eighty percent on gender queer. So and then seventy six percent on cisgender. So, but I was like, wow, gender queer, cool. And and over, I'm sixty six percent non binary. So yeah. <laughs> so I was very surprised. A little. Well, I was not very surprised. I was a little surprised to see that. But it took me a minute to find this test because somebody else took one and I go, oh, I want to take this test. And, and I started looking for it. So I, they had a whole bunch of other gender or sexual orientation tests. And I always <laughs> like right, Mac and, right smack in the middle of, of bisexual. Yep, me too. <laughs> I'm I like a was... diehard Kinsey three, like forever. Like no matter what, I, <laughs> no matter what test I take, it comes out that way for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And but so talk to me about your test results. Sure. For a so I got 63% for gender fluid, non-binary, transgender, and gender queer. <laughs> and then the next closest was cisgender at 33%. But the other the ones that they're really not the ones that match. It's cisgender, intersex, and agender were like small right. amounts. So I find, you know, it it Gender fluid and non-binary are the terms that I use for myself. Okay. So that made very much sense to me. And transgender is, you know, it's one of those terms where some people would say, a lot of people would say non-binary is transgender. Because if, you're, if your gender doesn't match 
what people assign to your body physically mm. when you were born, then that's trans, you know? I feel like, I don't use the term personally because I feel like it, maybe it overstates the case for me, but I can understand well, why it is technically under the trans umbrella. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, because because of the the gender dysmorphia, is that is that dysphoria. it? Dysphoria. Dysphoria. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess I don't experience that. I I feel... Well, non-binary, I, I don't know. I keep thinking transgender is still kind of binary-esque. Well, I think this is the thing. Like, I, I, As some people who use the term transgender really do strongly feel that it's like you're going from one pole to the other. Right. But many people use it in more broadly to mean that. Okay. And some people do have surgeries as a non-binary person or do other things to change how their body shows up in right the world so they're so more the comfortable right exactly yeah yeah you know I, and for I me totally... i mean some of that is exercise is part of that for me mm. so that's in there somewhat but it's not it's definitely not as pronounced as as someone who really feels they need to change their physical self to match you know right in a, right. In a more I... intense way yeah yeah I appreciated their descriptions of all of these identities mm -hmm. very much because, you know, I, you, you kind of have an idea for what these things mean, but I had not really seen a definition of genderqueer before mm -hmm. that was, that was, I, I, you know, I never bothered to look it up, you know, I, I kind of, you know, and I, and seeing what the difference is between genderqueer and gender fluid was interesting yeah you know. it is interesting um, and, and i sometimes wonder how uh how much overlap people use those terms but i do think that they're distinct in terms of what they are intended to mean you know and that's why it surprised right. me a little i feel i think of i i wouldn't typically use the term transgender to describe myself and i wouldn't typically use gender queer but i can see how they could show up as choices like someone who feels very much like I do could potentially use either of those terms too. Right. But I feel like gender queer is more outside of the outside of masculine feminine. Right. More, I mean, more than more so than I typically feel, I think. Okay. Well, I mean, the way they define it and it's they say individuals who deviate from binary gender norms sometimes refer to themselves as gender queer. As opposed to people who identify merely as non-binary, gender fluid, agender, or similar, many who identify as genderqueer actively associate the term with challenging or subverting conventional gender distinctions. And that's certainly mm. something I personally like to do. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I, I like, you know, I, I may not do it as much as, as like very overt cross-dressing, but I have a lot of masculine traits and energy, I guess, mm -hmm. that I, I know I've always had. And that's the other thing when they, 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 they did, they had a male female test and I, that I also took this morning and I think I was like 78% male and 32% female. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I remember that that's how you usually come stupid. out on those. those. Yeah. Well, those are like, they give you words like compassionate or assertive and you, you, 
put on how much or how not much you feel you are. Right. So, right. and a lot of those, I mean, a lot of people look at those tests and they go, that's all bullshit. People can, you know, behave. These are like the, this is like 1950s gender stereotype kinds of things. And I have always pushed back on that since I was a very young child. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Especially more more than dress or behave, that kind of thing. I think you, you push back on, you know, be, people being who they are and doing what they're meant to do, you know, be, right. whether that's engineering or music or yeah, whatever, well, and anything, and you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's also like a lot of the roles that that in my heterosexual relationship, <laughs> you know, the roles that we have in terms of what chores we do and things like that, they are not, they are not aligned with my spouse and I, they're not the typical man and woman thing. Right, right. At all, you know, I, I've kind of deferred sometimes I, because I'm being lazy, you know, like I'll let him call the plumber, although I think I have to do that this week, so. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it's a plumber is like a friend of his, so it 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 works better when he talks to them because they, they don't really know me. Right. And right. the guy's, you know, he's done work for him. They, I think he put a man cave in for the guy that owns the plumbing company. So years ago, so they, you know, they've that that camaraderie of men who work in the trades that right, right. happens. <laughs> But that is an interesting <laughs> definition of genderqueer. I hadn't read it, what they had in this test. And that that feels more comfortable to me. I think, yeah, I definitely challenge expectations around those things. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. Yeah, and they, well, they also go on further to say, the urge to question gender expectations can range from good-natured play with gender to more deliberate political provocations in the service of highlighting gender stereotypes in our culture. And that certainly, I think, describes me. And, and I have been challenging gender stereotypes my whole life. You know? <laughs> so, you know, so that's, but I, you know, in a lot of ways, I kept, it, it's more of like, you know, why is this a man's career kind of thing? And I'm going to do that also. Because you you know it's stupid <laughs> to right. limit to limit jobs by gender, you Absolutely. know, unless you have to operate the machinery with a penis or something <laughs> like that. You know, other than that, I it, there's no reason. Electrodes like affect. I, I don't want to. I don't want to think about what that job would be. Oh, I totally <laughs> do. Now I'm gonna think. About it. <laughs> That's well, that's that was that was that one meme that was floating around years ago about gendered toys. Oh yeah, you know it's like, do you have to operate the toy with your genitalia? And if the answer is no, then it's not a gendered toy, <laughs> right? So the perifit is a female toy. So okay, or a or that's, a people with vagina toy. <laughs> I don't know how to, how do we use these yeah, terms? Well, now, right? it's a, it's a vaginal toy. A you vaginal need a vagina toy, yeah. for that. <laughs> I, it, it just, it's for those of you that haven't been aware of, this is a, a device to train your, your vaginal muscles. So you put this thing up 
inside you and it's got a little antenna that sticks out that talks to your phone and your vagina is a video game controller and it is the most hysterical thing i mean it works <laughs> it works you know because it's it's very effective for for helping you with that the the bladder issue that many women get as they age where you know if you're not like really clenching everything up before you sneeze, you're going to need to go change your underwear kind of oh thing. <laughs> um, it's pee. It's pee. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like you sneeze and pee at the same, and a little bit of pee comes out. It's awful. Yeah, not, not, a, not a thing I look forward to in life. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm glad it's not happening to you yet. So <laughs> no, I think giving birth, giving birth kind of lowers the age where that starts, unless you are working out those muscles and still can control them. And, I think I'll you do know, my workout. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway what we digress. Yes. <laughs> As we do. But, um, so I don't know if this is accurate, but my observation is that I feel like gender, not uh, gender presentation and exploration feels more essential to part of who I am, which mm -hmm. made sense that gender fluid and non-binary, gender fluid especially came up for me. And I think for you, because you did say that you feel essentially cis in the term that you feel fine being a woman and identifying as a woman. Right. And, and you also challenge the stereotypes and are a little bit outside of it in the sense that like you do, like you've said things like i don't i don't know how to girl <laughs> right i learned i learned how to go girl i could do nails now oh, i can't okay. i couldn't Exciting. i i've had to put my i've had to put nail polish on because i keep breaking my nails <laughs> and and i'm not horrible at it my daughter taught me <laughs> like the See? little tricks there's <laughs> little funny. tricks that you know that you need to know Right, right. Like the the proper use of Vaseline on oh. your fingers, so that it keeps the so you could be like you don't have to be a perfect painter with your non-dominant hand, which is always the thing when you're doing your own nails. Right, right. But no, I didn't get real high on a gender fluid. I got sixty-six percent on non-binary. Okay. So they are definitely separating out those three things because I got eighty percent on gender queer, sixty-six percent on non-binary and 26% on gender fluid. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of agender, 0% intersex. So I got 3% intersex. And I'm wondering what I said that made them think that, because I think I'm not intersex at all. But I think it's, I, there was a question that said something about, have you ever had to explain your gender or something like that. That's the only one I could remember, but I didn't have to explain it because of a physical trait. So I'm not sure how that how that came through. I don't know. I'm not sure what question it was that prompted that. Yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting. I really, uh, I enjoy these kinds of things just to sort of uh, contemplate about yeah. ourselves. And as long as it, as long as it's like a curiosity and helps us to connect rather than divide then I then I like it. Yeah. I, I do, think I, do I think too. some people have used all of the flags to like <sighs> cause divisions as opposed to like, hey, look at all of our rainbow happiness together. You know, I like the second I like that one better. <laughs> right. Right. Well it's 
we we are in a time of divisiveness and it's very sad and and i hope that i hope that at least you know all of the marginalized people i mean that's the thing all of the marginalized people really do have to rally together to stop the fascists i mean i i you know as we as we have learned in earlier podcasts it's a lot easier to kill legislation before it gets signed into law and i am really concerned about what it's going to take to unravel all of the awfulness that has been happening in florida and texas and and the other places <sighs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's 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 tough it's hard and and it's not yeah and unfortunately it's not only other places so we do need to keep no i know out, it's here too we can certainly it's it's yeah. not as bad here at least i'd like to think it's not as bad here but yeah and it's because we've we've been kind of relaxing about some things up until 2016 right you know and and you really can't relax <laughs> you really yeah. you can't keep, we got to keep on marching and and so so yeah that's my my point i think part of it especially in pride month you know i mean it's time to celebrate and enjoy ourselves and each other and it's also good to be reminded of what you're saying that yeah it's also it's it's not only a parade but it's also a march and it's and it's right all the time yeah actually yeah. pride pride <laughs> the first pride was a riot that's the you know yeah that's the one True. phrase that everybody keeps saying and we have to remember that yeah absolutely all right well i'm here with vince osborne Vince is someone I've known for nearly 20 years now, which is kind of wild. <laughs> he lives in Chicago. He's an avid cyclist and a very devoted music enthusiast. He is a founder of the Museum of Post-Punk and Industrial Music in Chicago, which was established by Martin Atkins just in 2021. Vince has a lot of great friends, but there's one notable friend in particular we want to talk about today, and that is Cynthia Dorothy Alberton, who was better known as the one and only Cynthia Plastercaster. So I am excited to have you here. Hi, Great Vince. to be here, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess for those who don't know, can you just give a brief description of Cynthia, what, who she was and her claim to fame? Oh, uh, well, um, I, I first uh, became aware of her like, like most people. She was uh, a... Uh, really that fond of this term i suppose but a groupie from the uh the late 60s early 70s that kind of heyday who made casts uh plaster casts of rock stars uh penises <laughs> very cool <laughs> yes i i i actually uh well i love the fact that we actually all met on this <laughs> yeah. evening in yeah. 2004 yeah. and and that was an event called Run Hit Wonder, which was sort of a, I think it was a 5K and a 10K from promo thing yes. for Nike. And all these different bands were playing along the routes. And at the end was like this yeah, big Devo yeah. concert. 
So I there's a long convoluted story of why I wound up in the, there. I'm so happy that I did because I've sort of met you and the whole entourage and everything. And you were there. Likewise. I wound up meeting Cynthia, I believe, like on a bus or a shuttle, like going oh, to the after okay. party. And we were kind of talking. And all of a sudden, I realized who yeah. I was talking to. And I was like, yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> so it was really pretty wild. What, what are some of the things you remember about that day and night? And uh, well, I had met Michael Pilmer the day before. I actually met Cynthia for the first time after the Devo show that took place the day after the show that was run Hit Wonder, their show at uh, the R- the Riv, uh, I think it was September. Okay. I think the Run Hit Wonder show was the twenty third of September, and the Riv show was the twenty fourth. But I met yeah. her. I had met Pilmer. Pilmer and I had been communicating by email. Of course, two thousand four, long before social media. We'd been. Um, and he is he's he's Devo's webmaster, and he does a lot. The the the, the, the sixth member of Devo is uh, someone once aptly put it, I think. So yeah, we'd be we'd befriended each other uh, a year before uh, by email. So the the Run Hit Wonder show was the first time that he and I had met face to face, and he was able to uh, get me access um, backstage uh, then and at the the, the Riv show. So I met Cynthia after the show. Uh, did you know of course didn't recognize her at all um but when she said i'm cynthia something just clicked and it was uh, actually it would have been my memory of been late 91 i was 13 and i was watching an mtv special on groupies actually and i, I recall uh, pamela debar had been interviewed beforehand but what i never forgot was just how First of all, just how outrageous it seemed, you know, even as a 13 year old, it's like a, wait, a groupie like makes plaster casts of rock stars, you know, what? <laughs> it's just so outrageous. But <laughs> then just the creativity and the artistic aspect of it. I was like, well, it's, you know, you're not just meeting your musical heroes and sleeping with them, you know, like you're, you're adding like this cool artistic aspect to it as well. So I, I, I just never forgot that. So when that clicked, I just flipped out. I was like, I know who you are. And I told her everything that I just told you. And and she gave me a little bit of, she, she knew which special I was talking about. She recalled it. So she was, um, she told me a little bit about that. And then onwards to the, to the after party at the Hard Rock Hotel, the Carbide and Carbon building. And our table, we, we were seated together. It was, uh, a couple um, friends of mine from Milwaukee, and her and myself, and her friend Daryl, Darren, I think, and so we were sat next to each other at the table, and we just hit it off. And anyone you encounter who was close friends with her will tell you that she she just I don't know if it was just how down to earth she was, or that she would ask you as many questions as you asked her. She she just hit it off. He just hit it off with her. You know, and we just talked all night long. I think I, we met and spoke before you and I did, because I remember we were actually standing at a table and someone snapped our photo. That's the photo that I think I showed you. Cynthia and I had been at the table speaking before then. But uh, yeah, we exchanged numbers. And uh, I think if I recall that was a Saturday and the next day I called and we spoke for an excess of three hours. 
And I'll never forget what she said at the end of the, of the convo. She said, Vince, I don't know really who you are, but you and I are going to be buddies. <laughs> and so it proved That's to be. That's great. So. <laughs> so you you were just talking about, you know, how you became mm-hmm. friends and that sort of connection. I, I really want to know about that friendship what was that friendship like i mean what did you talk about did you talk about art music other things did that sort of how well, did that work wow um i guess growing up as an only child and as the child of a single mom as well it was just so lonely you know like that was that was just the the the, the overriding emotion i can recall growing up it was just loneliness she was just like the best big sister that I could have asked for, you know, like she would just call me up. Hey, uh, you know, so-and-so are in town for a show. You know, let's go, you know, I can get you in, you know? So, um, it's just, I I just so many memories. I mean, uh, you know, we established over the phone, a lot of similar childhood trauma. I mean, that's really how we bonded, I think, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I recall, um, one, one memory I'm really fond of and thinking about all day, actually. Um, so let me just preface it by saying that, that one of the most impressive things about her, I thought, was that she wasn't stuck in the past. You know, I just feel like with that sort of thing, that groupie era thing, you're going to think of oh, the late 60s, early 70s. They got to that era and just stopped. But I love how you could ask her about any type of band or music of any decade after that and not only had she heard of it she was a huge fan of it she loved industrial music you know that just blew me away so i this memory i recall being in her apartment and i was just looking through a record collection and i pulled out um this is thumbing through and i noticed joy division joy division's unknown pleasures followed by boy george and culture clubs kissing to be clever and I, yeah, I, and I recall pulling out the, the ladder, to, you know, to show her. And I just looked at her. I said, really, doll? You know, boy, George? And she just looks at me and goes, are you serious? I want to cast him. I, I'm, fa- she's, she, she said, I am fascinated by boy, George. I think he is one of the most amazing male musical artists of, of the last 30 years. I'd love to cast him. That just blew me away. I just never would have thought that that he, of all people, would, would be you know someone that she would be a fan of. Yeah, you mentioned Martin Atkins. You know, pig. Fa- I remember uh, in her bathroom. I remember using her bathroom and, and looking up at the ceiling. There's this this giant mural pig face, just wall to wall. You know, you could ask her any question about any musician. She had a story about it. You know, like uh, like oh, did you ever meet uh, Iggy Pop and like well, I, I never met him, but I was, and I don't, I don't recall the circumstances about this. Might make for a better story, but she said she was present in the studio when they were recording. Um, was it Raw Power? I think the Stooges. You know, uh, Sex Pistols. You know, yeah, I was at. Um, it was uh, it was the first and only time she ever visited the UK. She said she was there for a Playboy party thrown by a Playboy, and she didn't meet Johnny Rotten, but they glanced at each other and she said he 
call it a curtsy, but you know, just like gesture that he knew. Yeah, he knew who she was. So that was pretty cool. And then she said uh, the drummer um, uh, snorted a line of coke off her leg. So, but I mean, just any, you know, I, I, I walked into her apartment for the first time and just passed her little, uh, her office or her study and uh, just right above her Mac, her iMac, the original model, late 90s model. So a portrait of Frank Zappa. And she, she just, I think she saw my eyes kind of go wide when I saw that because she just gestured, you know, that's my mentor. Because if you know anything about her, that was her, yeah. that was her mentor. So, I mean, just um, so many times we would just hang out, you know, her apartment, my apartment shows and just the conversations we get out and just every time I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, I can't because it just, it's like you're, you're, like I say, your big sister is just telling you like the most amazing stories about any and every musical hero that you could ever think of and and just like it was nothing she was just so down to earth and i would always say like i you know i I break in the middle sometimes i can't believe this is happening i can't believe we're talking about this and she'd always say the same thing doll i'm just a fan (laughs) nice so i have a question about uh her art for you you know there is definitely a lot of sexual fascination around her work and and the idea of groupie Mm -hmm. life and you said you know you could easily sort of stare you stereotype that whole experience but how does how does her work strike you I, I imagine you saw things of hers just sort of in her apartment or just around and things like that I was actually surprised to learn she didn't have an actual show until the year 2000 which hmm. I thought was interesting I didn't I wasn't I, aware of that but yeah what, what do you think about it what was your experience viewing it were you ever in the studio oh, no. where she's working, or is that just sort of... Well, I, I, well I, purely out of curiosity, I do recall asking her once, like, could, can I be casted? And she made it very clear, I, no, I have to choose you. You know, that was the thing. You can't just, it's not like a by request thing. You know, I have to, I have to choose you. There has to be something special about you that I have to choose. So, okay. Well, my first encounter with her babies, as she, she referred to them, was uh, just first time walked into her apartment and they're all in little Greek columns, you know, and, uh, and, and Hendrix's was the first one you see. I don't know if that was by design, but you feel very humble. That's all I can say. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, I just, I, I just, I feel like it's something that could potentially be viewed very crassly, you know, because it is human genitalia. I like just, one, the fact that she put them on Greek columns, and two, that she said repeatedly, I'm not a size queen. You know, I, I do not, you know, look at any, like, I don't I don't view any of my babies with, you know, any any uh, less fascination or awe than any other. You know, I don't think, oh, this is my favorite, or, you know, because they all represent a unique person, you know. So I, I, I think that was really impressive to me. She kind of took the body you know, and, and kind of elevated it. Mm-hmm. And then she later did the, the yeah. breast cast as well. I thought that was a cool addition. Yeah, to, yeah, to that started, work. I think our caller is saying that started post-2000. That was a, a more recent mm-hmm. thing, but yeah. Nice. How do you define art? Because I know, as you, as you said, a lot of people I, might, I think might, well, you said view it crassly. I was thinking some people might say, well, this is a gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's not really mm-hmm. art, you know? Uh, I I think it's art, uh, but I'm not sure how to 
I'm not sure I have the words of how I define mm. art. I'm probably mm. still working on that. But how how about you? What what is your sense about that? What kind of art do you like, and how does that fit into that? Well, I I, I don't know if this will answer your question or not, so I apologize in advance for that. But part part of her art that I really personally cherish was. Um, the artwork that she did as a teenager, we would thumb through um, some of, when we'd be her apartment, we would thumb through some of her old sketchbooks. And uh, she actually ended up making two of them and getting them framed for me, I still have them. There was something really achingly beautiful about that. One of them is a portrait of uh, Paul McCartney that she drew. and But the other, my personal favorite is one of I remember seeing it for the first time. I looked at her and I said, this is autobiographical, isn't it? I was like, yeah, because it's a drawing of her. Her, there, there's, how do I describe it? It's, she's looking very sadly, very longingly at three, you can tell, very popular high school students from a distance. And there's a barrier, like an actual road barrier that's separating them. And one of them, I think the one in the middle, has the word rig emblazoned across his shirt, uh, which I found would later was her term for the unit. So, but it's just like, it's, oh. <laughs> so it, it um, I just, I could really relate to that, you know, just that struggle of like, just feeling so unpopular, just perpetually unpopular, like you're never going to fit in. And I think I said to her afterwards, actually, well, look at you now. You know, look at look at how loved you are now. Look at the legacy you have now. And where are they? Where are the popular people? I, I mean, as for her her cast, I, I just I I think it might sound too simplistic, but I, I just love that that she that she made the human body beautiful. That sounds so simple, I think, but you know, it just as I say, it's just what you know. She was clear, like it wasn't a size thing. It was just something that she'd captured in the moment you know and she had a story for all of them as well the 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 ones that didn't quite work were uh, were, were, were the funny one the wayne kramer of the mc5 was one i think her first attempt she failed at that i think i recall her saying so pete shelley I yeah think she she tried to cast it back yeah that didn't work yeah i remember <laughs> but it's yeah probably yeah a good story. He, he said i recall him saying uh, that that it it, it it come out like like the consistency of a pastry you know, like real cr- crumbly and, oh. and, but you could tell she was so keen on, on a retry. She's like, yeah, I've so disappointed it didn't work out. And uh, I've always been anxious for a, for a, for a retry. And he was like, oh, well, perhaps under uh, more ideal conditions. And she's like, sure. How ideal would you like them? Yeah. <laughs> she was, you could tell she was a fan. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Just stuff like, I, for, for me, it's, um, as I say, I don't know if this is the right answer or not, but it, it's not just the art. It's like the story behind it. As well, because that can sometimes like put something in a whole new light, you know. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And what are the pieces that you're donating to? The I'm museum? donating uh, the drawing that, that that I mentioned of Paul McCartney, the portrait of Paul McCartney that she drew as a teen, and uh, the plaster pair of breasts of Letitia. Hope I get the pronunciation right here. Letitia Sadie, the vocalist from Stereo Lab. So uh, I think he'll be. Uh, okay. He'll be pleased. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> yes. So I know that Cynthia passed a, a, about a little over mm-hmm. a year ago. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I'm sorry about 
the loss of someone who was so significant to I, I hadn't um, I hadn't really heard anything from her in a while. I think the last time I saw her face to face twenty twenty eighteen, I think she I got a notification that she was doing a show in a gallery in River North and we chatted for a bit. I think that was the last time. She seemed fine. And what was so strange was that I was having a lucid dream on that morning, the morning that I found out she'd passed. I was having a lucid dream about part of her cockumentary, as she always insisted to be called. Just a particular bit. I had no idea why, because as I say, I hadn't seen her, heard from her for, for you know since 2018, so really just hadn't had any reason to have her in my mind. But when I woke up the morning, I said, oh, that's bizarre. You know, why, 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 of all the people, would I be dreaming about Cynthia? And then that afternoon, I was uh, scrolling Facebook and I saw her. And, you know, this, I think her uh, Babette was the name. You know, hello, this is Babette. I'm Cynthia's moderator. And the moment I saw that sentence, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I just knew. Mm. So, I mean, not, not 100% unexpected. I mean, she was in her 70s and... Martin actually mentioned when we spoke about it a few weeks ago that he had heard she was in hospice, you know, for a bit. So I didn't know that. But so, yeah, not 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 unexpected given the circumstances, but still a shock. Mm-hmm. So what what would you say you'll remember most fondly about her? You may have already answered it, but if if, if there's something that sort of strikes you about that, you know, the sum of your experience knowing her and and also what do you think her broad her broader legacy is for everybody uh well as for let me answer the second one first as for her broader legacy oh i have to get back to you on this but my partner and i were watching a, a show so actually it was it was i think less than a week after she had passed we were watching a show uh, a drama where they, they didn't mention her full name, but oh yeah, there's blah, 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 blah. There's this, um, this groupie artist out of Chicago who makes casts of, uh, she's sitting, you know, right at that moment, they, uh, I don't know if it's for copyright issues or what, but I jumped out of my seat. I was like, there it is. There it is. Because it, it was, it was a show. <laughs> I remember this much. It was a show set in the late sixties about feminism. You know, so I I just, I think back to, um, you know, one part in the documentary uh, where Camille Pagula is being interviewed and she said, you know, I I know that a lot of feminists at the time had taken a, you know, a pretty dim view to, to what she was doing. I found it quite the opposite. You know, I found that that she was actually sort of rather than the men being in the dominating position, it was, she was kind of having them in positions of vulnerability. You know, I, I, to speak of which I remember Jello Biafra saying, you know, he, he hadn't expected the, the emulsifier to be so cold, you know? So, so the moment she's, (laughs) you can imagine he's like, that'll, that'll, that'll destroy any, uh, any erection you've already got. So, you know, there's just a lot that, that, that you don't prepare for. So um, I, I, I just, I think her legacy just, oh, I don't know how else to say a feminist icon, but, you know, just someone who um, kind of took the taboo out of it, you know, because there was just never, I, I, you know, she was this part of what I'm saying about how down to earth she was, you know, there was never any, um, any shame 
and what she did. You know, I just, I just remember, this is a bit convoluted, but in the music video for Open Your Heart by Madonna, it's about, if you've seen it, it's about a young boy and she's kind of playing the big sister role and they're dancing through the streets. That's how I like to picture us. You know, I mentioned previously the, the always wanting that, that, that big sis. And I just kind of picture us uh, chatting about music and strolling along and going to shows and buying records wherever she is now and uh, off into the sunset. So, yeah. That is beautiful. And I will have to find that video and add it to, okay. to the show notes because that's, 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 that's just the best analogy I, really I, can, like I can think of when I, when I like, when I, when I think of like my memories of her, just, I mean, the story she could tell and the places that she'd been, the adversity she'd overcome. And I, like I say, you know, sometimes I would just, right in the middle of a convo, I'd just have to stop and be like, okay, I, I just can't believe this is happening. You know, because I'm just, I, I, I ain't nobody. I'm just a, I'm, I'm just a guy from uh, a little town in the Midwest. And, and you're, you know, it's just any, any musician that I've, idolize I can ask you about and you've got a story about I just can't believe this is happening and every single time I do that she just look at me like doll I'm just a fan so <laughs> that's that's my fondest memory that's so wonderful thank you so much it was great to talk to you about this Vince. and we have many you have a lot to share so I have a feeling you'll be back on the show I would, I would be honored to be back Robin duty now <laughs> duty now You got questions? We got answers. And today's question is, have you been told you look like someone famous? And if you did, who was it? Yes. And I feel like, have we talked about this? I don't think we have. It wasn't Mark that we talked about it. Okay, maybe we haven't. No, we have not. Do you have an answer to this? I do, but you go first. (laughs) Okay. Well, the one that comes to mind first is someone we just lost, sadly, Tina Turner. Oh, okay. And now I don't look a thing like Tina Turner. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I'm trying to like. Okay, maybe you had your hair different. Um, yeah, you know. I think when I have, you know, when I have my hair, like auburn and sort of spiky, sticking up, like it looked sort mm-hmm. of like how her hair looked in the '80s. Okay. And so I think that's what people saw. However, I, I, I don't see it. <laughs> So. Okay, I don't see it either. No. You know, and and it and it could also be I don't want to say. I'm not Well, it saying. is. It's the thing because if I'm, <laughs> I'm holding an acoustic guitar, I'm people think of Tracy Chapman, you know? If I'm holding a tennis racket, I'm probably Serena Williams. <laughs> so, oh my god. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know, and that's really sad. Um okay, I have to, well, I have to laugh. Is it's just you know whatever. yeah well it's it's either you have to laugh or you have to start being becoming violent or something <laughs> it's like, um, anyway. and yes and and the really funny thing is that okay i i will say and it, it had i have a braid right now and this definitely would happen when i would wear my hair in pigtails when i was younger and because i have a big nose and i have long dark hair 
it was Cher. It was always Cher. I don't think I look like Cher, but it's the hair and the nose. It's like, oh, you look like Cher. <laughs> <laughs> but the really funny thing is that, you know, it was Cher and Tina Turner that, that this one guy needed voice people, voice artists to imitate to oh, do fun. songs for him. And I did the share one and I, you know, we weren't like, you know, very close at that point. Otherwise I would have given your name to him because he goes, well, you sure you can't sing like Tina Turner? And I go, yes, I'm sure I cannot sing like Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know if I could sing like Tina. I can. Uh... Well, they were looking for somebody to sing like, I mean, I had to do, I told you this was the stupid, I think I heard I mean, it. that was I on the podcast. It. We put it on yeah. the podcast. It's like, I forget what episode, but I had to do a Verizon sales meeting version of believe. Oh God. <laughs> so I had to sing the word it was, and it was taking place in Patchogue, New York. And Patchogue is not an easy word to sing. And or to rhyme with it, it doesn't flow off the top no, no. <laughs> it does not and it doesn't sound like it's spelled it's got way more vowels in it than <laughs> that town it's like spelled like patchogi with an it's got h's and oes in it and it's all kind of crazy but yeah and and he needed somebody to do a tina turn song and i don't know what song it was because i didn't do that one but that's funny. <laughs> In our next show, <laughs> we are going to talk with Lisa Vanderveer, the co-founder and director of the Cinekink Film Festival, which has its 20th anniversary this year, which then begs the question, why have neither of us heard of this until now? And I take Robin into the artscape to talk to her about her current artistic endeavors. So you don't want to miss the next show. Very you don't cool. want to miss this show either. But if you're hearing this, you haven't missed the show. So <laughs> That's right. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and I have heard of Cinekink, but I've never attended it. And I don't okay. know anything about it. And that's silly of me. So I'm yes, going to be great. <laughs> and Well, I think we're I think after this, I think we're going. It's it's in oh, August. Yeah. So giving everybody a head it's like the right at the beginning of August. And I I'm looking forward to finding out about this festival and attending it and, you know, field trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was a fun one. Thank you. Wendy. <laughs> And I am Robin Renee. You can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan or on Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And on Discord, I am Androgenous. So let's connect over there. And I'm Wendy Sheridan. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Twitter at Wendy Designs, and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And because I am just so up to date on all of my social media i just joined tumblr this week and oh, i'm wow. woman on tumblr is, <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know please connect with me there because i don't know anybody there yet so <laughs> all right and i'm i'm just newly on blue sky i have not done enough to say anything or but but if if you're there and you hear this and you want to you know friend me or whatever you call it on that platform <laughs> <laughs> i will see you and that would be great so i can get started remember yeah. you can always reach out to us on social media at leftscape and send us your questions and we might answer it on an upcoming show 
So until next time, be well, be loud, and be proud. And keep left. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Leftscape. Thanks for listening. <laughs>